0: And welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're uh-huh. broadcasting across all channels again. We're back today. on Facebook. Like month. I know, right, man? You're I'm no longer banned. <laughs> we can come to mark. you in all the various platforms where you <laughs> go away, the moonshine jesus show so congratulations mark on being liberated by facebook once
1: again yeah <laughs> it, it was terrible and, and and i apologize for my Horrific use of hate speech, which just seems to what have gotten me into this position.
0: <laughs> right. Hate hate speech of like uh speaking truth about truth, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, right. about about hate group calling out right. hate groups, right? Yes, uh, heaven forbid thing. we hold the KKK accountable right. for being right. a racist hate group. Uh Can you
1: imagine that. Uh, <laughs> I know. But anyway, we get okay. back. It <laughs> oh, is oh, yeah, right. We
0: we have things to talk about today and we are brought to you by progressivechristianity.org and today we're talking about blaze and mm. if you haven't seen this it's an independent australian film there will be some spoilers but i imagine many of you may not have seen it and perhaps this will pique your interest hey hope you will follow us on social media i am here today of course with mark how are you doing today mark
1: i am doing great uh, as always i mean there's been a few exceptions But I'm really looking forward to digging in on this one with you, man. What a a unique and maybe needed film this is.
0: Very unique. Very unique. I've uh, been waiting to hear your perspective on uh, a lot of things. I'm excited to dig into it. But first, uh, got to get some drinks in us before we really can delve into this. You know, we need some thought juice
1: here. So what are you drinking? Well, uh, an important symbol in the show is a dragon and in particularly a white dragon. Uh, white mm-hmm. dragon ends mm-hmm. up, we can mm-hmm. maybe talk about this depending on where the conversation goes, a symbol uh, for the main character of, of death and rebirth kind of thing. So I'm having a white dragon, which is uh, 1.75 ounces of tequila, seven point seven five ounces of Contra, 0. 0.75 of lemon juice, an egg white, and uh, shaken hard until it gets this nice Ooh. frothiness. It gets this beautiful kind of white, uh it's almost silky looking uh um, drink yeah. how about you sir what do you what are yeah. you going with that
0: looks that looks a lot like the white dragon there uh so i i again went with, with the dragon themed i yeah. i, I uh, uh, seems like a natural place of, to go i know right yes yeah. it does yeah. so and in particular the dragon's blood was also significant yes. so there's this point Absolutely. where there's bloods viewing on blaze from the dragon so i'm drinking a dragon's blood and really what it is is red champagne but you know if you're gonna drink dragon's blood you know you may as well drink <laughs> it fancy. so Absolutely. here we go cheers to you mark cheers sir mm.
1: Mm. is it good i don't know about you i don't know about you but i can have two of those i think
0: Oh, let's see if we can get to it. Okay, see if you can uh, chug this one during the break, and we'll come back <laughs> see if Mark's on his second one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us for our Geek Out segment. We're, we're going to take just a little bit of time and kind of set the movie up, talk about what excited us, and maybe even tip our head and hint at the next segment of Theopolitico when we look at, at the movie a little more in depth from theological, political perspectives. So for those who uh, haven't seen it or maybe not even heard of it, which wouldn't be really completely surprising, um, Blaze is a movie from 2022. It was a uh, uh, Tribeca-nominated film. And it is a a sort of brilliantly and necessarily discomforting fantasy horror coming-of-age story about one 12-year-old girl's journey of using her imagination to sort of navigate her trauma after witnessing really just horrific rape and murder, Uh, and it is done in some very visual and graphic ways and creative ways of getting into her imagination. I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit more about that. But my first question, Caleb, is just going to be a little bit serious. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe, again, hint, hint at what we might end up talking about in the next segment. You know, in the U.S., we heard the, in the movie, this was an Australian-based movie, we heard the statistics there. In the U.S., one in four women and one in nine men are victims of domestic violence. And intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crime. Those numbers in mind, how, how important is this film?
0: Yeah, it, I mean it's it's extremely important, and so I, I think one scene in the film that points to that is whenever Blaze, the little girl, is talking to her psychiatrist and trying to grapple with how someone who had once been in a relationship with someone else could hurt them, uh, and um, and the psychiatrist reflects those statistics, the Australian version of those statistics, to her, saying that most of these kinds of crimes happen with people who you know. And uh, I think breaking the silence on that is so important because it's something that often doesn't get talked about. And so when Blaze breaks the silence on what she's seen with her friend, uh, yep. and they're talking about that, her friend reveals that the same thing has happened in her family. And so yep. uh, and so I think a lot of and, times and we maybe- just keep the silence on this, and, and it just is it, swept under the rug. Yep.
1: And maybe one of the most heartbreaking parts, I mean, the whole thing's heartbreaking, but her friend, she speaks about an uncle who is still allowed to come to Mm -hmm. family visitations and gatherings, and she does it so matter-of-factly. There's almost no emotion left around it. And the fact, I mean, there's a real commentary going on there that we can talk about, but it it was kind of heartbreaking for that. but I did like the fact that they were willing to take this straight on, head on. Um, I'm curious, though, We within the first, I think, seven minutes of the film, that the the filmmaker, who is the first time filmmaker, she's actually an award-winning artist, but had, this was her first film. She actually made the film because she got out of, she was listening to uh, basically NPR for in, in Australia and heard the statistic mm-hmm. about uh, 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 intimate partner abuse. and something just went off in her head she said this is my new mm-hmm. thing i'm i'm going to raise awareness about this um i'm curious as to uh, what you thought within the first seven minutes we actually see our main character uh witness this traumatic event where uh uh, uh there is a, a force of uh, 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 this man forcing himself on a woman and it ends up becoming very violent and he rapes her and he ends up completely killing her and it's graphic and difficult to watch Mm -hmm. um my question i'm curious from a filmmaking point of view did, did do you think it was necessary to show what was shown I, you know it's,
0: I think that the, one of the powerful things about that was that we really got to witness things from this 12 year old girl's point of view. And right. so in the first in this first seven minutes, seven eight minutes of the movie, there's not really any dialogue either. So yes. Blaze hasn't spoken. the main character hasn't spoken at all. She's listening to her music. she's out, she's collecting cicada shells, you know and shes she's going and being a kid. She's, she's a kid going about her every, everyday life, right? And she's going to, to the store. She's getting a Popsicle. Uh, and it's, it's in the midst of this that she witnesses this assault that we then see. And so I think the power of doing that is that we get to see it from her eyes. And something I think there's more meat uh, to, to talk about is that we kind of get to see her childhood disappear from her in that
1: scene as she's standing there and very I was going to say very powerful. Yeah, in that scene, and you already pointed out some of the like there is so much metaphor that goes on and symbolism that goes on. In this movie, you can tell an artist made it. I, I couldn't couldn't really keep up with all of the imagery and metaphor that was going on. But you just named two that were this kind of beautiful foreshadowings of what was about to happen in terms of the cicada shell with a cicada is leaving its young life and that's the remaining evidence of its young protective shell that now it's going you know it's often living out its adult life and then the beautiful symbol of childhood who doesn't like like a vanilla chocolate covered vanilla ice cream uh, uh, pop and she's holding that she gets that on as as she walks up to the crime happening and as it happens her hand slowly crushes that ice cream yeah. Yeah. and you see the chocolate and the vanilla starting to come out of the hand and that yeah. part that symbolism of almost what we've all you know had in childhood and it helped it it's hard to have that and not re- reconnect with your child and to see her crushing that in the midst yeah. of it going on while she's wearing that cicada i mean that it was there were so many levels of artistry trying to help us be ushered through this difficult journey i mean I think it was very necessary. There's been a lot of complaints. I yes. just, out of curiosity, mm. looked it up. There were there were certain people, at yeah. Trebekah in particular, who didn't think it was necessary to show. And I feel the exact opposite. I think it was very yeah. necessary because uh, that's what we do too much in life is, is try to push it to the side and, and act like it didn't really happen. It's just something people talk yeah. about. But I also thought our experiencing it and walking through it, it was difficult. And it then really, to put that back in, that I'm just sitting here watching a movie right that helps you understand the trauma that blaze is is going to be carrying with her from that point on i think it, it did a beautiful job at that um but let's talk a little bit about her care I'll oh, go ahead uh,
0: yeah i i completely agree and i i think another piece that added to that that made it so so powerful was also the cinematography in the midst of oh. it and so like as the as the woman hannah is being assaulted she's looking up right and and then it cuts to blaze with the exact in the exact same position mm-hmm. with her with her eyes looking up I mean uh, you know it, it's sim- symbolizing these two being tied together in a really powerful way through this through this moment it, it in fact it, it's almost as if it's ha- happening to blaze at the same time right. because it's impacting her life so much and so it wasn't just i think that we saw an assault i think it was also the way that that they tied it together that Absolutely. that really helped us to understand yeah. how impactful it was going to be on the character so yeah it was also was really that, that was directing.
1: really amazing directing the storytelling because she co-wrote it with someone and i don't remember right now who but even in these little moments that speak to volumes, like when it's going on, we learn that the, uh, the 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 woman who is raped and killed, her name is Hannah, and as Hannah is is all of this horrific stuff is happening to her, she notices Blaze step out. Mm-hmm. They make a brief eye contact, and from that moment on, even though Hannah knows that her life is at risk she starts taking actions to protect blaze like Mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. not even it's not even having to process it's like that that was understood that we are that they are in this together and that she she's going to protect blaze in any way she can to even to the point of not quite running off so that the guy kind of keeps following her and away from blaze And it was kind of just uh, so many moments like that where there's yeah. this big picture story going on, but they also give these very important little social cues of, of what reality is like um, in terms yeah. of her willingness to sacrifice herself to protect another woman or a, a, a soon-to-be, you know, child who's growing into her womanhood. Uh, just beautiful writing um, and sad, recognizing how real and necessary uh, even yeah. that is.
0: Yeah. And the fact that we don't hear from Blaze during any of that, that, that she's mm-hmm. silent. And even we see the next few scenes as they unroll, you know, and um, and she's her dad's finding out what's going on. She's at the hospital and the police station. And all She still doesn't speak until uh, the next morning when dad's uh, fixing breakfast. And uh, did you notice, Mark, what the first words that she said uh, were? She said two words. Uh, and her first words, whenever she finally spoke. To you, I don't was, remember cause, at all. Because I thought I, this was one of the moments that st- stood out to me. Her dad asked her if she wants, I don't even remember what he asked. If she wants something and something, she said, no, no. And so I thought it was really powerful mm. that this movie that's a kind of uh, about consent and assault and all this, that the main character, the first two things she says are no. And then he asks another question. No, like yeah. asserting that power. I thought that was a yeah. powerful choice in terms of yeah, dialogue absolutely. for her not to speak for so long than yeah. to say, no, no. Absolutely. And then,
1: and then we pretty quickly get thrown into the trauma of when she really starts talking and, and when she is at the courtroom and is, tr- is basically being asked what happened. And immediately the, 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 the man who committed the crime, his lawyer starts going after her, which is so, which in a lot of ways makes you understand like the silence for so long, there's kind of a commentary yeah. of not breaking the silence, but the moment that you break the silence, there was this immediate uh, making her uh the the guilty almost like constantly asking Mm -hmm. questions that doubted her and and were not believing the 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 person who experienced part of what happened um and i think that was such a strong victim blaming exactly and then her that white dragon that we talked about uh, and we can talk a lot more about the dragon that she has this beautiful dragon in her uh bedroom that she has created out of her mind who is this kind of mother, protector, nurturer, but also mm-hmm. not really any gender at all. But it does have that very nurturing sense about it uh, and strength behind it as well. Uh, that she she goes to and she takes a little white version of it to the court and she imagines, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as they're coming after her and, and she's getting upset that this is all of a sudden becoming about her and not about this wh- horrible man right over there in the corner who did this terrible thing and she imagines that that dragon coming up in her mouth in, from the inside of her into her, up to her mouth and blazing a flame you know right at him yeah. take, taking him out like this anger is being like channeled and, and directly towards the person who we really should be going at yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They did such a great job of pulling in that dragon because, you know, whenever we, we uh, started talking about this, the, it's described as kind of a girl and her dragon trying to find justice. And uh-huh. so seeing how that dragon is in her mind. As she's Sorry. trying to make sense of the world around her and trying to deal with uh, some of her own issues, and and to find the strength to to confront, you know, a full-grown man you know who she shouldn't ever have to deal with but trying to have to take on the world as people are blaming her is is really powerful and that's uh, uh was a very interesting way to uh help us understand her perspective and how like these these elements of childhood are there but also as she as she's going into adulthood and trying to make sense of the world in a way that she never should have had to do wonderful yeah. filmmaking and uh Absol- it's really a powerful absolutely.
1: story absolutely and we've just barely began to to crack all of the parts we could be talking about in this segment but um, you know i think it's ultimately just say this is a very important film i really hope people will be willing to watch it it is difficult to watch but it's so creative and imaginative and has so many important things to say uh, and i suspect in our next segment while we may not get into the symbolism as much uh, or, or maybe some because it is important. Um, there's a lot more for us to talk about and, and kind of wrestle with that this um, movie is trying to talk to us about. So let's take a quick drop and come back on the other side to our theopolitical segment. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're talking about theology and politics of the movie Blaze. So there's all kinds of socio-political things we can talk about. But before we go into that, I, I do want to talk just a, a little tiny bit about some of the symbolism before we move away, as an, sure. in particular the dragon, because uh, the dragon is this looming figure for Blaze and is such an important uh, figure in the film. And so I'm curious, Mark, to, to get your perspective on exactly what the dragon represents. What is the dragon for Blaze? <laughs> and what does it mean when the dragon
1: dies? Well, I think that the, the, the dragon represents the sanctuary of her childhood, essentially the safety and sanctuary of her childhood, the deep recesses of her imagination, the place that she can go to and find herself protected and process and try to understand who she is, even as she's maturing into womanhood. Um, uh, and so you get protector, you get nurturer. Um, but it for me, ultimately, it, it is, I think, a, a, a childhood sanctuary, ultimately. And so the death of the dragon ends up being her Moving into adulthood, but I found that, and I think personally, I think the movie wanted it to be. I found it sad that the world was teaching her that she had to kill her dragon in order to become an adult. Uh, for me, that child, that that childhood fantasy, uh, uh, the dragon is hard to describe. It was bright colors, and it was everything that was. Mm-hmm. imaginative and fun and engaging. And for me, there was a little bit of sadness of of almost saying, isn't it too bad that we can't hold on to parts of that childhood, or figure out how to use them in a way that goes into adulthood with us, because it was a sanctuary, it did protect her, it did help her be safe. Uh, in her particular case, she used it too much. And it became uh, all defining it defined who she was, rather than part of who she was. That was an important tool, and I just felt like that was part of what we missed. I felt like I felt like the show was really trying to, in some ways, say it's too bad that we can't figure out better balances and take those kinds of really wonderful parts of childhood with us into adulthood. Some people manage to, and it turns out that the if you look at her art, the director yeah. who who made this. I, I have to believe she managed to bring part of that with her and mm. in, into her adult life. I mean, what do you think mm. about the drag? I, well,
0: I was going to say, you know that uh, it, it sometimes people grow up and they still talk about comic book movies and stuff on weekly <laughs> podcasts, and they find a way to. No, no. I don't know anyone like that. Celebrate but, you know, that show, <laughs> losers. try to hold on Bunch to that of losers. <laughs> Yeah. So she I mean, because it, it, the death of the dragon does happen around the time she gets her first period and we get to see that. And she, uh, you know, in a powerfully symbolic moment, takes that blood and uses it kind of as war paint on her, on her face and then ultimately slays the dragon and kind of puts on the skin of the dragon as she becomes her kind of her own dragon. Um, for herself, but another theme that's that's rolling through here is not only the theme of childhood, uh, but also this theme of mental illness. Um, because uh, whenever the dragon is dying, Blaze is uh, institutionalized, and she is institutionalized largely because of her imaginative nature and and the things that she is seeing. Is this also Mark a statement on? um uh, psychopharmacology and what yeah. what is lost whenever uh people are on medication or the value is the is the author is the director making a statement about medication and mental illness or or yeah. w- what's going on with that
1: uh, i think she's definitely making a statement uh, uh, about uh drugs and mental illness and the treatment of it i honestly think it's a little heavy-handed of a statement mm-hmm. Um, uh, we have our main character, Blaze, asking, will the drugs kill my dragon? Um, mm-hmm. And we have see her as she first starts taking the pills, uh, laying lethargically, fully dressed in a shower with water falling on her and her just not doing anything compared to her kind of active life before that. She starts hiding the pills and she starts getting... Uh, more active and more engaged again, but in a really unhealthy way, this kind of sinking deeper into her imagination. Not that that's bad, but does it so deeply that uh, she's kind of uh, denying the real world and letting it define that imaginary world to find who she is. So I think its it comes out a little heavy-handed, and I think that the, the, the movie does that a few times. So it's very heavy-handed about its approach and certain things it's trying to communicate. I do think there is some value to saying Uh, that we too frequently leap to drugs and think that that's the solution. Uh, For me, it would be pointed to how important the balance is between the pharmaceuticals and understanding the person's life. and I would say even their inner life that helps them cope and and gives them ways of dealing with difficult times. the, the, The dragon is a coping mechanism of sorts. And we do have that wonderful, beautiful scene where she finally talks to a psychiatrist that's not being performative like the first one that was assigned to her. Uh Uh, Yep, and 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 who really talks to her like a real person, and ultimately says to her, you know, um, your response to trauma will be with you for the rest of your life. You're not going to escape it. be there. Some days it won't be there at all. Some days it'll be a little, some days it's just going to fall on you. But ultimately you don't have to let that define you. And so I think between all of that, we get this wonderful balance of what it should be like Uh, an open discussion with a trained psychiatrist who can help your psychologist, who can help you walk through the traumas and understand them and how to navigate them medicine that will keep it from getting from so immense and overcoming that you're not in a space, where you can work with the psychologist and do that so i think there's just be- a balance that needs to be there and in some ways the movie in my opinion both argued for it but also kind of heavy-handedly was judgmental of, of of medicine do you think that's yeah. fair or I think it's fair. I think I think the
0: point was also kind of lost because I think it was unclear as I I think the dragon was primarily about childhood. And I thought it complicated things to also have the dragon be tied into mental illness. And so in some ways, I thought that 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 took away from the point that they were trying to make about. Uh, about childhood in general. And so um I, I, I think I would have preferred if there was a, a way to talk about those two things in a in a different way. um i I, I felt like it kind of muddied the waters a little bit to see mm-hmm. uh, to see the, the the dragon linked with mental illness at all. Yeah, um, because right. uh, uh, so so in in fact, I, it made me kind of wonder at the point uh, as as we're seeing her kind of come to terms. Like, what was the dragon mental illness, or was the dragon childhood? And I, I, I came down in the same spot you did, I think. But, uh, but I, I felt like the the water the waters were a little muddied by that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you're you're certainly right that there there was. Um, some ambivalence about sort of what exactly what we should do with medication and, and what exactly right. The, the right answer is. So one of the other things, Mark, that we saw run throughout this film is, I think, an idea of toxic masculinity. Oh, uh, not that that's not that that's a thing that we have to deal with or anything, sure. uh, right? <laughs> but yes. uh, men. Why? consistently thinking that they have certain rights to 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 women or or that we need to project mm-hmm. this this notion of manliness. And uh, we we see this throughout our society uh, over and over again, right? From everything from like gun culture to confronting women's rights. And um, I'm curious, Mark, how do we go about confronting this toxic masculinity? Are there things that we can do? to kind of subvert this and to help rid ourselves of this notion that men always need to be in control and uh that that the patriarchy needs to be strengthened. How do we subvert that that kind of yeah. norm in our society? Wow, that's
1: a, a giant question. I I, I know this. <laughs> I can throw a few out. and There's obviously many, yeah. many more. I mean, part of it is about education. Part of it is about how we nurture our boys and the culture that we put them in growing up. Part of it is about nurturing women and empowering women and making sure that, uh, that the systems that are structured against them uh, don't hamper them so much to make sure that we have uh, women in important positions where they help change those rules. So uh, when we vote, Uh, If you've got two candidates, you're trying to decide the difference between personally uh, pick the woman. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're going to be able to advocate more for the people who are marginalized than uh, particularly a middle aged to older white man uh, who's straight in particular, which is who we tend to put in those positions. so, I mean, those are a couple of the things for me, education, looking at the environments that we raise boys in, empowering girls as we raise them, and making sure that the systems that are designed to reinforce this kind of uh, misogynistic, male-dominated society, um, that those systems have enough women in them that we can begin changing. I mean, I'm, I'm, there are lots of others. What What, what things are you thinking about?
0: I'm thinking primarily what the church can do and and what uh, we can kind of ways we can change our behavior as a church, because certainly there are things societally, but I think we, uh, you know, starting real close to home at, at ways that we talk about, about God, trying to get rid of uh, just the masculine images of God. We focus so much on that in kind of Orthodox Christian uh churches and we don't mm-hmm. talk enough about uh, feminine aspects of god or even feminine aspects of jesus jesus like the, sure. the mother hen and and all of that and i think that if churches become more comfortable embracing feminine aspects of god and talking about god in that way beyond uh and then moving to beyond a gender binary yep. in terms of talking yep. about god that i think that those are important things that we can begin to do to get rid of some of our inherited bad theology that the church has just given us. But I also think we see that in practical terms in thinking about who's involved in church leadership. I mean, Absolutely. are we just putting straight cisgender white men in leadership yeah. in the church or Absolutely. are we trying to represent the the diversity of, of what the, church is supposed okay. to look like what the people of Absolutely. god are supposed to look like and i think that if we're talking about a practical step in terms of churches that whenever you're choosing leadership choose leadership that's a little more Absolutely. diverse <laughs> Imagine of, that. Of Imagine sure. that. i know wait can that happen in churches can those kinds <laughs> of discussions happen in churches mark but you, won't people you, get mad and and just leave if you start if you start yeah holding and you know accountability and, and,
1: And the answer is yes. Some people will get mad and leave. And, but the response to that, and that's okay. You know, if we're doing the right thing, if we're representing diversity, and that there's someone on their journey where that's not where they are and they can't quite understand it, it's okay if they need to find a place to have a different place for their spirituality as they continue on the path that they're on hopefully there'll be lots of people in their lives and out there that they keep bumping into that are educating them on the on why there's a particular uh way of seeing the necessary for white men or whatever to to lead uh, maybe there'll be education and they'll slowly change but it's not our job to pull everybody along uh, in the journey our job is to try to understand oh. how to love everybody and to uh, make the choices to reflect that, right? Uh,
0: So I guess you're saying that we shouldn't water down Jesus's teachings (laughs) to appease straight cisgender white men, huh? Yeah, that that sounds sounds pretty
1: good, actually. I wish I would have said it as eloquently as you did, (laughs) but yes, that's
0: exactly my point. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: Speaking of how eloquent and uh, and, and smart I am, uh, I'm I'm ready to move into the next segment, Mark, to Uh, uh, the make me look stupid segment, where I want to see if I'm eloquent and smart enough (laughs) Try and make you look stupid today. So, why don't we take a quick break and come back?
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us for our final segment, a segment that we enjoy very much, a segment we call Make Me Look Stupid, where we Woo. ask questions of each other to see if we can stump our co-host. I'm just going to be straight up front here. I'm not trying to stump you. I want you to help me think through something here. Okay, let's do it together, Mark. That would be great. Could it? I don't think it was intended in the movie. But could you see the dragon representing God? The mm-hmm. dragon is protector, is mother, is nurturer. Um, at one point the dragon is in her. So that's one way of understanding God, that God is in me. And But then at some point she recognizes she's part of God, not so much that God's mm-hmm. in her. Could that be seen? And then you've got the imagery of a, the white dragon is across from ending one life and beginning a new life. Could there be anything helpful about seeing the dragon as a symbol for God, protector, mother, nurturer?
0: Well, that's really interesting, especially since Blaze says herself that. Uh, That dragons turning white are symbolic of rebirth and renewal, which is is certainly uh, a central theme of a lot of different religious traditions, including Christianity, that that there's Mm -hmm. this this thought of renewal through God or through some kind of spirituality and uh, and also. A, a transforming nature of God, depending on um, where you are in life and the kind of concept of God you have to have on on whether it's a, a God who's a silent protector in the corner or a, a God who is kind of a part of you as you find empowerment to confront the world, which is ultimately what what she has to do. So I'll admit I didn't think of the dragon in that way um, throughout uh throughout the uh the movie but i kind of like it uh where do you land
1: on it mark well i kept struggling with it i it was probably yeah. about halfway through the movie where i don't remember exactly what happened mm-hmm. but there was a yeah. moment where i went this is almost some godlike imagery going on with the dragon zephyrs the name of the dragon mm-hmm. um but here, here's where I struggle. I think there were a lot yeah. of parts that were very much has mm-hmm. real clear uh, overtones of of God in from a Christian perspective. I mean, even uh, the white dragon when the when there's a large white dragon and she's going to become part of the dragon and cuts it open. She's baptized by the blood of the dragon. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so much symbolism that could work. Here's my struggle: is it really yeah. is just a, a dragon of protection and nurture? Um, mm-hmm. This. It, it to me there's a part of it that reminds me of certain churches who that's all god is mm, uh, and mm. you know, a lot of of the uh, um, pr- uh prosperity gospel folks kind of just think of mm-hmm, protector and nurturer always you know but not not inspiring you into doing better things in life and making the world better for other people kind of stuff so that's yeah. the place where it starts falling apart with me it's like an incomplete image of god but it just felt like there was so much imagery tie back that I'm trying I guess I'm still wrestling with is that there and if so is it a good thing
0: although when she to further your point Mark whenever she takes on the skin of the white dragon and dresses herself all in white to go out Mm -hmm. she does then go out and be a protector of others and so she she goes to make her statement to the court to advocate for justice um for for the family uh whose uh, whose mother was uh was killed and so yeah. i mean you know in a way she kind of becomes that that godlike action out in the world yeah. which I think is what in if when Christianity's at its best, what we're really trying to do is to not right. depend solely on a dragon in a corner or a Uh, an old guy in the sky or some Mm -hmm. concept of an abstract God that we have, but, but to try and make a real concrete difference in the world. So I don't know. I I think, I think you've convinced me.
1: (laughs) Well, the great part is is you may have convinced me.
0: (laughs) Uh, Wait, no, Mark. No, no. You were really smart about this because see, you talked me through this. Uh, into agreeing to your point. I think I think you made me look stupid by, by I don't walking know. me through this and saying, hey, yes, Mark, yes, you're hundred percent right. I like that. I had no idea. I, I didn't think about that. You're right.
1: Crafty. I was crafty.
0: You you are crafty. Okay. I have um I I have a two-part question, Mark, of things. That, uh, and maybe this will make me look stupid too, because these are things that I didn't understand.
1: Oh, no, and, you probably didn't. Dude. And there's I want to know. There's a lot that I didn't. There's a lot in this <laughs> that I could not <laughs> figure out what was going on.
0: Uh, so I've got two things I didn't understand, a part A and a part B, and I need help understanding them. So I, f- one, I feel like you're going to ma-
1: easily make me look stupid here. I really kind of feel like that's <laughs> where we're going fast.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you'll, you'll have explanations for these. I'm sure. <laughs> so, okay. Whenever she's in uh the the bad psychiatrist's office she grabs two kangaroos and envisions herself kind of with the the kangaroos and between them and they are kind of kissing Mm -hmm. and then she gets them stuck together and breaks them trying to get them apart i'm curious what that's trying to say about those kangaroos or what that visual image is well here's here's, part two boy and part two, right. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna spit it out because I'm gonna forget, okay. it, Mark. Go ahead. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm gonna forget them both. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I also want to know the significance, uh, significance of the claymation, uh, coming, uh, coming to take the pills and all. that. I, I need to know okay. that
1: too. Okay. So okay. now you
0: can have. A, it's all, right. all you, Mark. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I, I'm glad that you asked the first question first because I have a relative answer for that. And maybe while I'm answering, okay. I might come up with something for the other one. Uh, yeah, so yeah. For, for, for me, uh, those two kangaroos kissing, uh, you know, she has all these figurines on sort of a display case in, in her mm-hmm. room. And they're all two figurines. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I believe that part of, so what we haven't talked about, I don't even you know, some people may not have picked up on it. Before she witnesses this horrific crime, as she's leaving her room, there is this indication that the dragon's already there. Uh, There is this interesting bright light and a little tinkling and some colorful lights that happen. And and I believe that she was already dealing with some emotional, mental issues. And the dragon was already around. And I think a big part of that, because they always leave it a mystery, was the separation of her mom and dad. And I think that's her -hmm. her fantasy and her fixation with uh, uh, anything that comes in twos that seem to be a couple. And with that particular small figurines that ultimately become very large. And they kiss each other almost very intimately with her underneath them. And it almost makes a heart and is almost like Mm -hmm. shelter in terms of the imagery that is there. I think of what's going on there is seeing her desire to have been raised in what she thinks of as an ideal nurturing family that she doesn't have anymore, and I wonder if the dragon, in some ways, isn't the replacement for uh, for the second part of that uh, uh, two person uh, family that she might have been seeking out. So that's where that's where I read that to be from, and what what it was all about. As for that claymation little girl she climbs out of not only her, but also she goes back to the site of the crime and imagines the body still laying there, but in sort of the creative style, but not colorful. And the little doll climbs out of it, too. And the, the only thing that makes sense to me was that it represented our inner selves because that um, that particular particularly when with with uh blaze when it would crawl out mostly what we saw it doing was taking the pill for her mm-hmm. almost right. like her inner self was dying because of this pill mm-hmm. so the best as i could say is it represents some inner self i don't have any great insight to what it meant coming out of, of the dead woman's body and and what she might be trying to say about the inner self of her i was still grappling with it before i got there so those are my takes. What did what did you see? I mean, was there anything in those that made, made any sense to you? I like yours, so, Mark. That sounds great. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, there were so many images in this movie. Like, it was nonstop. And to even yeah. catch what half of them meant, you know, yeah. uh, I, I wish that the, the the director at some point, and she's an artist, so she's never going to do this, yeah. would sit down and say, here's what I was thinking when I put these images right. in there. I yeah. mean, obviously, she put them in there for them. She's an incredible artist. She put them in there for, they were something important and emotional to her. She recognized it, it conveyed an emotion. She put it in there so we could see it and experience the emotions we needed to as we associated with it, I think.
0: I, I think you're right. And, you know, I, I had a similar thought about the the kangaroos and making sense. Right. I, I saw it kind of as making sense of relationships as so she was kind of mm-hmm. a coming of age. And so this she didn't necessarily have this model of of two parents, uh, the two parental relationship. And then she's seen this crime of a man and a woman interacting, and not an intimate way, but trying to figure out what that what all of that is, as she is coming of age herself, and she and her friends are talking about sex and trying to figure out what all of that means. I, I saw that as a kind of a way of her, like a child, playing with manipulatives to try and figure out what it, what it means for people to be together. And, uh, I, 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 also, I think saw the, the claymation piece as that inner self. And so I think in some ways it would have been stronger if maybe that had just represented the inner self dying with the pills to make a commentary right. on that. And then the dragon to be a commentary on uh, childhood. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah I, that sounds good, Mark. I like I <laughs> like what you said. So uh, thank you for helping me think through that, as always, Mark. I, I, your 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 brilliant skills of interpretation <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. have helped me to gain some more understanding of this. So, thanks, Mark. Yeah, I'm I am glad I I'm,
1: I'm glad my bumbling, stumbling theories can help in any way whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said, I said well, this is what Mark said. It, I, it must be true. Well, so listen uh it's been a good show but we do need to start turning our sights towards next week what next week what what, we've already told folks but uh you want to to remind folks of what we'll be doing next week
0: yeah it's uh i'm excited because uh mark you and i as we've mentioned already we're both kind of still kids at heart who love comic book movies and right now nobody's doing it better than marvel and Mm. we've got ant-man and the wasp quantum mania and they're going like super small in in right. this movie right uh, they're yeah, going down to the quantum zone it's going to be great
1: You'll it, everything I've, I've i've already heard amazing things about it i'm mm-hmm. trying not to hear too much i understand that it's an incredible launch to phase five of the, of yep. the uh, mc universe i already have my tickets reserved i'm that excited I'm just, i am yeah. just cannot wait to go see it yes. it's gonna be fun man it's gonna be fun i can't wait all right well i hope that all of you can't wait either and that you will join us next week for the moonshine moonshine jesus show hopefully live now that we're back on facebook uh but whether you can or not we're certainly glad that you are either watching us live here today or listening back on the podcast we are grateful for you and thank you for joining us here today on the moonshine jesus show it mm-hmm. 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 mm-hmm.